and welcome to the Horizon Church podcast. Horizon Church is a Christ-centered, word-based and spirit-led church. We are so happy to bring this week's message to you. And on behalf of our pastors, Brad and Ali Bonhomme and the Horizon Church team, we pray it's a blessing to you. So I just, um, I, don't, I haven't been following your church. I have deliberately not asked questions. I haven't gone searching for anything. I have, um, um, uh, I know that you're a long time, you've been around a long time. And the reason I know that, some of, your, some of the pastors that were here actually ministered to me as a kid. So that means you have been around a long time. And, um, and we're some former members who actually joined our church uh, in Perth when we started off with our family. But on April 14th, I woke in the middle of the night, 3.12am, it's still, the notes are still on my phone, and I started to write points as I lay waiting on God. And, um, and so this is what I, un- I wrote the points. And what was amazing was when I, I didn't know anything about, my son went to Holdsworthy Barracks for a little while and I thought you were more inland. I didn't realise how close to the coast you were until I woke up or until we drove to the hotel last night. And then I woke up this morning and I've taken photos of the waves crashing in on the coast, right outside the hotel window. I didn't realise that about this area. So when I'm about to write, I now believe it's confirmed. Because in the recent past, you have been like a surfer riding small waves. And it's been good, but it's been a lot of activity. It's been exciting and it's been busy. You've endured the paddle. I'm speaking to you two as leaders. You have endured the paddle to catch the wave. You have been cutting up and down. You've even been cutting backwards and forwards to stay on the wave and make the most of it. That's exciting, but it's frenetic. It's tiring. It's intense. And you do get some misses. But God's taking you to a new wave, new places, leaders, and as a church, and as what I call deep ocean waves, they're the big mothers. They're huge. They're long running. They come, they come from the deep. They're formed in the deepest parts of the ocean. And that's something significant because that's what your history is. It's the future and it's not just here, but it's overseas. And this phrase come to me, I'm not, a, I'm not poetic. So this phrase come to me, Brad and Ali, New Zealand and the Pacific is your surfing place, but don't forget your birthplace. New Zealand and the Pacific is your surf place, but don't forget your birthplace. Surfers in the city breaks paddle out, but deep ocean big wave riders take jet skis and even helicopters to be dropped in. They're equipped with different kinds of boards, different methods, a different way of riding. And so God is raising up in this church and extended that are goers. They're guys that will go, they'll be dropped in. They are missionaries, but not like missionaries of old. They're a generation, they're going to be a different generation. They're going to be relaxed. They're going to be Holy Ghost surfers. They're going to be different in their style and methods. And I see them dropping in and riding waves of revival and of joy. Hope and freedom will be their call. That's all they will be talking about. They will be different than what you guys have experienced, but God has actually put some people already in your team to help school that next generation and to train them and to shape them. Missions must be already strong here because there's just, it's just getting extended and in a different way. And God is saying, I'm taking you to something larger and more powerful, but the way there is different. Jet skis driven by others is easier than paddling, but less waves are tackled and it's risky. It's costly in one sense. It takes a different attitude, including more courage than before. The wave is not to be ridden the same wave 
the same way as the past, is to be respected and ridden with right manoeuvres, responding and not reacting, responding and not reacting, being simpler and efficient and more direct in what you do and how you go about things. God is simplifying. He wants more focus and direction to ride these large waves of revival that is coming. In other words, start to streamline so you can do what you got to do. And revival may look different than what others may define. But you know, Brad, particularly, I got emotional twice as I wrote this down. You know, because it's been in your heart and will loom large and even seem overwhelming. But God has graced you both and the church for this. Generations have prayed. Generations have prayed. They have given and believed for what you will see. That's where the depth comes from. It hasn't been wasted. Generations have prayed, given and believed for what you will see. The years of going deeper are creating this new wave and you will all reap where others have sown. Get fit, get in the right heart space, be sensitive, stream life and be ready. And Brad, as I typed the word revival, I was overwhelmed with emotion for I remembered I had a flashback to listening to you in the next office acting like Reinhard Bonnke. Is that true? He would listen to Reinhard Bonk. I forgot all about this. And he would put on the accent and preach Reinhard Bonk. And as it came flashing back to me, that's something deep and not to be wasted. In fact, I, I, I was breathless. I was breathless. And so you need to explore his legacy. So respect the wave as God's wave and you just have the privilege to ride it. Live in the grace of it. Just live in his grace. I'm going to talk a lot about that in a few minutes. Let the wave carry you. Just be on it. Feel it. Feel it. If you surf, you feel the wave. Start to feel what the Holy Spirit is saying. I'm going to talk a little bit about that tonight. But feel what the Holy Spirit is saying and respond. And don't worry about family. He's got that covered. So remember what I share. The Scriptures in Corinthians says that what is in small part. I only share small part but others will share. Leadership will know. And so as we prophesy these things, that this is just part of what God wants to do, put them together as a team and as others have shared. Amen. Amen. Hope that makes sense. All right. I better get into this word. So as I said, God uh, dropped this passage into me. Let me just tell you, God isn't shocked by what has happened the last two years. I mean, he didn't sit back and go, wow, didn't know that was happening. Um, I mean, he's God. But I do know the Scriptures talk about that he uses all things together for good for those who are loved and called by him. And we are to remember things and to learn from things. We have Anzac Day today. Why? So we commemorate those that paid the ultimate price and also to learn and not to repeat. And so we need to learn out of the season we're in. And so I want to speak into what I felt the Holy Ghost dropped in my, uh, uh, into my spirit about this season and using this season to reset us for the next step. I know that word. I don't follow the, the different Google pages that talk about um, the great reset. All I know is it's a word that God actually wants us to remember for his church. I don't care about whatever else the world wants to do, but what he wants to do in his church. And so he, this reset he wants to lead us in is to redirect us into new directions. So the story I want to take you to is the story of Elijah and uh, who was a great man of God, prophet, miracle worker, one of two who never died in the Scriptures. 
He knew power, miracles, and he knew the voice of God. That's really significant. He knew power, he knew the miracles, and he knew the voice of God. He was a kingmaker. He could. He was. Uh, he was famous. He was a star. He was an influencer of the right kind. He was the man in many ways. But James says about him, Elijah was as human as we are. He was as human as we are. Yet when he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall, none fell for three and a half years. Then when he prayed again, the sky sent down rain and the earth began to yield its crops. Elijah is not called, James doesn't say he was a prophet. He says he was human. He was a man like you and I, an ordinary person. And God chooses ordinary people to do His work on the earth, to manifest His glory. That's what He does. He doesn't pick rock stars to do it. He does. He picks ordinary people and equips them with His power to do it. So Elijah was raised up to fight evil and bring good news. He spoke against evil. He wasn't always popular and he struggled like we do. So he had all those things that we do. But that was his, his mandate is actually the church's mandate. And I'm talking to anyone online at the same time. His mandate is your mandate. Our mandate is to, to be all of those that Elijah was and to be human at the same time. So we come to this passage of Scripture where Elijah has uh, been through great miracles. He's, uh, he's brought down a drought. He's confronted kings. He's uh, then confronted a bunch of uh, Baal prophets, 450 of them, and drenched a, a, a sacrifice and and the fire, it taunted the, the Baal prophets to bring down fire. If your king, if your God is real, then he can ignite the, the, the sacrifice. And it's not one, it's got two bulls on it. So it's massive and lots of water. And of course they don't, can't do anything. And then the fire of God comes down and consumes it and bang. And then and the people of God, the, the Israel turns and uh, starts to repent. And then they bump off all the prophets, the Baal priest, and, and life moves on, and as you do. And so he's got this power ministry. He is rocking. He has just performed one of the most amazing miracles of all time. And then we come to this story. I've got to read a bit of verse here, all right? Stay with me. 1 Kings 19 says, verse 1, And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done. Also how he had executed all the prophets with the sword. And Jezebel sent a message to Elijah saying, so let the gods do to me and more also if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. And when he saw that he arose, Elijah ran for his life and he went to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah. And he left his servant there and then he went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree. And he prayed that he might die and he said, it is enough. Now, Lord, take my life, for I am no better than my father's. And as he lay and slept under a broom tree, suddenly an angel touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. And he looked, and there by his head was a cake, a cake baked on coals and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came back the second time, and he touched him and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for you. So he rose and he ate and drank, and he went in the strength of the food 40 days and 40 nights as far as Horeb, the mountain of God. And there he went into a cave and spent the night in that place. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him and he said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? Well, you sent me. No, what are you doing here, Elijah? That's the big question. So he said, I have been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts 
for the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, killed all your prophets with the sword. I alone am left and they seek to take my life. And he said to them, then he said, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. Behold, the Lord passed by and a great and strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind and after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after an earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a small, still voice. And so it was. When Elijah heard that, he wrapped his face in his mantle and he went out and stood in the entrance of the cave. Suddenly a voice came to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? And he said, I've been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts because the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left. He said it all over again. Woe is me. What about me? It isn't fair. <laughs> and they seek to take my life. And then based on this response, Elijah sent three tasks. And we're not going to go into those tasks, but he's given a new direction for his life. One is point the king of Syria, point the king of Israel and point your replacement. Based on this journey, he gets a new direction as his life is reset in the middle of this times. It sounds like the last two years. Yeah. Yeah. A bit of a stage in our lives where everything was put on hold. Can you go? You know, I finally got into a plane. I've, just, I've had the shakes for 24 hours waiting to get onto a plane. And, and then I found a breakthrough. COVID brought something awesome. I did not have to take my laptop and my iPad out of my bag. It stayed in my bag. Technology advanced in two years and they can check my bag with the, the laptop inside. You've got to look for small mercies in all of this. Right? <laughs> but it happened to Elijah because he was a man just like us. And then he heard one person saying, I'm coming to get you. I'm coming to get you. It puts a fear a voice starts to speak in his mind. How did, and how does man of God get to a place where one person's voice causes him to run and ask, I wish I was dead? How do you go from that miracle to 24 hours later, it seems, and go, God, kill me? Guess what? We do that all the time. We go from one high to one low. We go into these places because a voice starts to speak to us. In his case, and it's usually when we are exhausted and tired. He was exhausted physically. He'd been running. He was exhausted emotionally. He'd been ministering and he'd seen great emotion. He was exhausted because of the fear of this voice coming into him. So he's at this low place which opened him up to hear wrong things or misunderstand wrong things. And everything became a crisis. What was small became huge. It's just one person out of millions and he is tormented. It was an open door to anxiety and exhaustion. I still remember two years ago when they started saying, we're gonna to have to shut your church down and shut, we're gonna close all the services. I still remember, how am I gonna live? I went and explored. Maybe I can become a security guard or something in a shopping centre. Do FIFO as a chaplain. I had these stupid ideas. I go, just one voice started speaking. What, what if? Now, we'd had a journey up to there that had taken us to that point. And then where we were at, fear started to grip us. We've come out the other side going, wow. Bring us COVID again almost. You know, the shutdown again. It's just been this journey of God's grace. And I'm going, I don't understand got to shut the voice. 
and he prayed that he might die. It's enough. Take my life. He started to compare to the fathers. It left him burned out. He's exhausted from ministry, from the running around and the voices he's listening to. And the world and the church has become, and parts of the world have become like that. We're counting the cost and we're staying at home and we're saying, maybe, you know what, was it all worth it? I'm going to quit. And maybe you might even be online feeling the same way, but this message is to you today that it's not time to quit. This is actually the time to, you're going to hit the time to reset. Don't compare. It's a new day anyway. Don't compare. Comparison is the enemy of contentment. You start to compare, you get discontented. Because guess what? You never, ever look good enough. I don't look in the mirror anymore. I just will never get there anymore. As you get older, you can't be what you once were. So why do we compare with what we once were like? That was stupid, but I do it. So just move on. So he started to listen and compare. And then he's seeing things that aren't there. I'm the only one. There were 7,000, but it's all about me. And so it started to eat away at him. But God's grace is so good. So what voices are you hearing? In the Garden of Eden, hear this. God did not ask Adam and Eve, what did you do wrong? He said, who did you listen to? Who did you listen to? He's got taken care of what you've done wrong. You take care of who you listen to. He went to the cross to sort out what you did wrong. You now take care of who you listen to. That's God's grace. He's got that all covered. You just take care of this bit and the rest is sorted out. Watch what we're online. There's too many voices out there that are freaking us out. Get out of that. Get into God's voice. And I want to talk about, tonight is all about teaching you how to hear the voice of God and how to remove the things that are blocking that. You know, tribulation, we've entered end days. And, but you know, more people are worried about the signs of the tribulation than the fact that Jesus is coming back again. It, Jesus is coming back in. That's the bit we should be celebrating. That's the bit where we should be having a party over, not counting all the signs and going, oh my goodness, that's going to happen. Yes, we know it's going to happen. Jesus is coming back again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's get excited. Let's get ready for that. That's what we should be celebrating. It's time to know and hear His voice. So God uses this moment to reset and redirect Him. And a beautiful thing happens for the reset to take place. God's grace prevails on a guy that you and I would say, you're... You're letting God down. You're disappointing Him. We would judge Him and say, man, get up, sort yourself out. Come on, pull your socks up, pull your boots on. And He collapses under a broom tree. And this is the place where many of us collapse, when we're overwhelmed with the world. We're overwhelmed with our personal situations. Uh, you know, single mums that may be sitting there just, I cannot handle all these kids. You hide in the, ba- you hide in the bathroom. That's your broom tree. Business leaders, business owners going, how can we do this next? These are your broom tree moments. These, but let me tell you, the broom tree, a tree appears to be the end, but it's the beginning. It's the beginning. It's your encounter moment, your defining moment. Encountering God's grace and not His judgment. That's what God does. Judgment time will come in at the end. Right now, it's grace time. Grace time. And God wants to use His grace to restore, to reset and then redirect. If you follow the Bible, there's so many that wrestled with an angel. Jacob wrestled with an angel. Jonah repented, rested and was regurgitated from a fish. That's three hours there. That's a good sermon. Repented, rested and regurgitated. 
Joseph had a pit, Potiphar, oh, I'm on a roll here, pit, Potiphar's home and a prison. And then Jesus was tempted and had Gethsemane. David had Ziklag and the list goes on. Encounter moments. I remember, so I've had my encounter moments in the last 12 months and Pastor Brad, Pastor Allison know this and know who I'm about to. I, in one year, in actually in a 10-month period, my younger brother was killed on a motorbike and then my brother-in-law took his own life. And so in the middle of that, my mum's not been overly healthy um, and other things have been uh, in the family and it was like we had just moved into a church that we had to help restore and rebuild under God's grace and then this happened. And, but you know what? In those moments, I remember... Four o'clock in the morning after going to the hospital and seeing my brother dead on the table and I'm and tubes out of him and I'm getting home, I'm going, this ain't right. How did this, you know, if you've been through this, you know what I'm saying. It's just this, where did this come from? I'm planning a ride with him next week and it's over. And I sat down and God gave me a scripture, teach us the brevity of life that we may live a life of wisdom. Just popped out. And two days later I got asked to do the funeral. And um, but then God reprioritized my life. He just stopped into my spirit and said, what, what are you here for? Really this. Didn't use those words. And God said, the most important thing that you'll have at the end is your family, your friends, and your faith. Two will be watching you leave and one sets you up to where you go. And you only get those three things if you live a life of forgiveness. And that changed my life. It reached change. Grace started to prevail in my life. I've preached. God said, oh, "I want you to preach that for twelve months, wherever you go." Well, twelve months is over, so I'm not preaching it. You just got it. <laughs> but these moments are here not to destroy you, but to rebuild you. It's not the end. It's your defining moment. And so he stood under. He sat under this tree, the tree which supplies warmth, the tree which supplies protection. That where the angel, the spirit of the Lord, ministered to him. The angel of the Lord ministered to him with water and food. In this place, he was provided for in this rest time. He got he restored his body, his soul and his spirit. And there's nothing wrong with taking this time to restore because that's part of God's grace. It's part of where we're at. God comes in these times. He's waiting for us to stop and wait and be refreshed. He's not asking you to get busier and He's saying, you might need to go, hey, I need to stop, refresh, hear again what He wants. God's grace in this last two, it's okay to take stock, be refreshed and renewed because there's something more to do. And so the angel touched him, awoke him, cooked for him and gave him refreshments and then told him to sleep again. I go, wow, what was happening? He was refreshed from the past and now God says it's time to renew you for your future. I'm wanting to get you ready for the next step. Sometimes we get refreshed from the past and then we're out again and we've got nothing to give. We just recovered from the past and we've got nothing to give for the future. And so we need to position ourselves. Why, how can I position myself not just to be healed and refreshed, but to actually be restored and renewed and have something for my future? And in this is the season to do that. We've got these opportunities, so let's grab them. God's grace again. See, the break wasn't the end. It was the beginning of something new. And we, I know in my nature, it's like if I have a break, then the world is going to collapse. I've discovered you know, one Saturday night, my wife goes to, I took her to hospital because she crushed her finger at hospital and they said, you've got COVID. And she goes, no, I haven't. Yes, you've got COVID. She had no symptoms. And so it's Saturday night, eight o'clock at night, and suddenly all my team are in, got COVID. Then anybody who's been in contact with us for the last two days have got 
isolate. So we actually had to shut the service down in within minutes, hours, you know. Nothing tomorrow. Text the whole church, nothing tomorrow. And you know what? We're still going. The world didn't end. The church didn't collapse. You're still going after you had all of all that rain and all of COVID. You know what? God is bigger than us. He's still, the break's not the end. But beware, God is doing something. Questions and opportunities are coming for this in this season. So take the time to feed the body, soul and spirit. And God sends Elijah on a journey, 40 days and 40 nights to the, to the mountain to be confronted. And God's grace doesn't mean he, wants, he won't confront. He will confront. Confront is not conflict. It's just asking the question. He will challenge. And so God wants to ask you the question because he wants you involved where you go next. He wants you involved in where you go next. That's what he was doing, involving him twice. Where, why are you here? I want you involved. And it's at the end, if you think of, there's a similar, similarity here, that at the end of Jesus' 40 days, he was tempted. He was challenged. He, but he was challenged in a temptation to fail by Satan. And Satan's temptations were against his identity and purpose. So he's challenging him and he failed that test and he couldn't be the son of God. He couldn't do what he was to do. And so he, he was asking the same questions. What are you all about? What are you all about? But Satan asked the questions or put the temptations to rob Jesus of his future. But when Jesus comes to us and challenges us, what are you all about? It's actually to cause and set you up to succeed for your future to find out who you are and what you're meant to be doing. So don't be confronted or be, be concerned about it, but to receive it and to walk in it. And so he is challenged, what are you doing here? God is wanting Elijah to be honest. And so he responds, what are you doing here? We've got to answer the question. See, God is realigning Elijah in this time. And he complains and said, life is tough. You see that happen. I won't go back over those scriptures again. Elijah's answer reveals he may be at crosswords. There's a crossroad going on in his life. Twice he's been asked the question and twice he's answered the same thing that he had in the first place. He actually is revealing something in his life is still not healed. I believe that's how I interpret it. It doesn't mean he's disqualified. It doesn't mean he doesn't have another opportunity. It just means that he's revealing where he's really at. God doesn't condemn him, but what God does do he extends a fresh encounter. Yeah, wow. And for a few minutes, this is where we'll finish up. He said, go out and stand in the mountain. And we read that encounter and before the Lord and behold, the Lord passed by and a great and strong wind tore into the mountains, broke the rocks in pieces. And before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. It was an afterwind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after fire, a small, still voice. In the past, Elijah's ministry and experiences were spectacular. He commanded droughts. He filled oil vases. He raised a boy from the dead. He called down fire to burn up altars to consume the enemy. He ended the drought through thunderstorms and torrential downpours. He ran, outran a chariot. He did all the supernatural spectacular. God did these and still does. And you know what? Many people interpret this that he was, had to learn how to hear the small, still voice. Wrong. He could hear the voice of God. Yeah. The whole passage is all about him responding to God speaking. <laughs> God is saying, 
I'm about to reveal something new. A new testament is being revealed. I'm wanting you to experience the presence of God in the small, still voice. You've experienced my power. You've experienced my hand. But now I want you to know me personally. He's bringing him into the New Testament and revealing the New Testament. And he's getting a glimpse of what we have in Jesus. You can command these things, Elijah, and you can hear from me, but I want you to know my presence. These things are my hands, but in my voice, you're gonna find me. You're gonna know me. You're gonna experience me for the next season. These are the things and actions, but I'm Yahweh. I'm a person who is real, personable in experience. And my small, still voice, you're gonna meet me. You're gonna meet me. But there's even more. Because the all still voice of God is His Word. It's His Word. When God speaks, you are hearing God's Word. And if you come to the New Testament, this is what we discover about God's Word. In the beginning, John 1, 14, John 1, sorry. In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God and God created everything through Him and nothing was created except through Him. And the Word gave life to everything that was created and His life brought light to everyone. In verse 14, So the Word became human and made His home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness and we have seen His glory, the glory of His Father's one and only Son. I want you to hear and experience Jesus in my presence. Elijah, you've known my power, but I want you to know me. I want you to know me. I want you to know me. I want you to know my son, Jesus. I want you to experience Him, not just know the deeds, but I want you to have Him in you. I want you to be able to worship Him and His tangible presence come around you. Unfortunately, Elijah's response was like so many of us, and I want to, like some of us pastors particularly, I'm going to pick on pastors. We put on our pastor cape, the big P, pastor on the front, and we walk out into the presence of God. I'm coming, Lord. I'm coming. Coming with my gift. I'm coming with my calling. I'm coming with my mantle. I'm coming with my talents. I'm coming. Elijah put his prophet's mantle around him. When the presence of God is there, he walks out as a prophet. And God is saying, no, man, I'm wanting you. See, when Adam and Eve failed, what was the first thing they did? Put something on. We've become as who we are, who He made you to be, the person. He he says, I can take away the gifts and all that. I gave you the gifts. I don't need them. I gave them to you. What I want is who I created. It's in that place you will refine refreshing for the next. It's when we start to lose all the stuff that we think is what God wants. No, that's what God gave. Then we will be reset and redirected for the next stage that God wants us. God is wanting a church that is so passionate about Jesus, that loves His presence more than anything else in the world, that will count that the most important thing in their life. And it will reset and redirect and it will become attractive because it's Jesus. And I love all the stuff we do in church, but it's secondary to His presence. 
Even our worship's got to change to that. It's all about Jesus. He's the Word and it's in the Word, the small, still voice that we encounter God. I'm not sure Elijah got it. Maybe that's why he was redirected, I don't know. But you know what? God's grace walked with Elijah all the days of his life. And no matter where he was at, God was there nudging, urging, you wanna go here, you wanna do that? And the next thing out of that was, this is the future. Go to Syria, go to Israel, change the kings and change your and charge your successor. Go after your successor. That's the future. Jesus and our successors. The next generation, the next kings, setting them up. But it all starts with that new, fresh encounter with Jesus, the Word, the worship, the presence of Jesus. It's not found in the standards, the ways and the values of the Word. God is wanting to restore ministries, churches, people to the right mission. It's found in His grace, His presence, His small, still voice, letting it heal us and lead us. It's actually, I'm having a fresh understanding of being a father now that I have two grandkids living with me. I just love it. I don't care what they're like. They can have pooey nappy, oh, maybe, no. But they come and just want to be. You know, my wife says, oh, Jensen's moved into your spot in the bed this morning at five o'clock. Papa, as soon as you walk in the house. I don't care what he can do or can't do. He doesn't speak really well. I don't understand him. I need a gift of interpretation. <laughs> but I love him. And I, I'm not after how clever he is. I'm just after him. Right. I have two kids. My two kids are 30 some, 32 on Tuesday and 28. And they're yummier today than they were when they were born. I just love them because they're my kids. And it's in that presence that I have the most awesome relationship. In fact, too awesome because they tell me everything that's wrong. I don't need to hear that. <laughs> but you know, there's something about God saying, this is the kind of church that I die, I send my son to die for. That we are transparent, that we love. We, family, friends and faith, all covered by forgiveness. And that's what the world, it's our love for one another that the world will know that we're His disciples. We're not pulling down. We are just wanting His presence. And in His presence, we can love. You know what? I found you can love anybody in His presence. So it's every head is bowed and every eye is closed. God is saying, what are you doing here? And some are watching online because you can't be here physically. Some are under their broom tree right now and you're just saying, I'm just taking a break. I'm just, but can I tell you, do it wisely, physically, emotionally and spiritually. There's some, He's saying that's enough. God is saying, be refreshed, renewed and reset. Not to survive, but for a new direction. And He's saying, I'm never finished with you. 
But you choose whether you want to go the journey with me. And so we ask the question online, in this house, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? That's not a conflict question. It is a challenge. And for Elijah, I want to reveal to you Jesus. Elijah, I want to take you and add to what you've already got, the power, but I want to add this intimacy, this sensitivity. And His Name is Jesus. He's the Word. He's the small, still voice. And so this morning, speaking online and here, I don't know anybody, basically, but Jesus does. And so if you don't know Him, you need to know Him. What are you doing here? You were set up by God to be here. You were set up by God to listen online. God set you up to hear even more than what I'm saying right now. You are actually hearing inside of you, God speaking. He'll be stirring you. I've got to do something. I've got to come to Jesus. What are you doing here? You're here to surrender to Jesus. And if you don't know Jesus, then surrender right now. Just say yes. Just say yes. I'm not sure how we do it here, but I'm going to just do this if you don't mind. That if you are here today and you know you're not right standing with God, you've never known Him, you've backslidden or walked away from Him, or you're just not sure, then do it right now. Why are you here? You, got, you are here to meet Jesus. You are here to meet the Word who will set you up for the next stage of your life. That is you. Would you just lift your hand in this place and I'm just going to pray with you. Church, look after you afterwards, but I'm just going to pray with you. Anybody in this room that knows they're coming to Jesus, anybody in this place right now that knows that this is the time. I'm all right. I'm just looking across. My poor eyesight, that Jesus sees you. Father, you see every person in this place. You see the heart. And God, I believe that you are resetting something in our nation, but you're resetting something here. There are changes about to take place in people's lives. You're setting, you've moved things around and you've allowed this to be a reset. And so, Father, this morning we embrace what you're doing for the next stage. And it's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. It's all about His love being shared, His Word being shared, His presence being experienced. It's all about His body, His church being revealed. And I pray over this house today that God, the Word that You've placed will not return void. In fact, Lord, You'll do more than what I've shared. And that there will come a hunger, a hunger, a hunger, a hunger again for Jesus. Not the sign, and we'll do the signs and the wonders. I, I believe, I love them, but I want to love Jesus more. And sending out of His presence, those things will be done with beauty, with kindness, with mercy, with healing. It's in His presence that we will forgive. It's in His presence that we will receive healing. So Lord, I pray over Your church that a fresh encounter of Jesus will become the future. It will become the horizon. 
Now, Father, the deepness where those waves over the horizons come from will be birthed out of a love for Jesus. In Jesus' Name. I speak that. I believe that. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. For more info about Horizon Church, please visit our website at hz.church. Have a fantastic day and we hope to see you again soon.